Welcome to the My Curious Colleague Podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Hello, my curious colleagues. Today, my guest is Leslie O'Flahaven, a plain language expert. Hi, Leslie, and welcome back, I should say, to the podcast. Thanks so much, Denise. I'm so happy to be with you this afternoon. Aw, I'm glad that you were able to join us again. And for those who may think her name sounds familiar, it's because um, she is... Uh, a prior guest on my podcast. Uh, shout out to season two, episode 26, which was about a year ago. So this is perfect that we're coming in for an update on uh, what you're seeing in communications and in, in and around the customer service world. Um, so let's get into it. But first, let's just remind everybody a little bit about you and uh, what your background is. <laughs> Sure, sure. And um, I'm going to call myself Denise's repeat guest and I'm I'm inching into that friend zone, right? I'm inching into the friend zone. Yes. Yes. So um, my name is (laughs) Leslie Oflahaven. My company is called eWrite and we are in the business of helping people learn to write well at work. That's our company's, that's my company's mission. Uh, May 2023, I will have been in business for 27 years. Can't believe it. Yep. So that's something to celebrate indeed. Yep. And uh, in the community that you and I share, Denise, the customer experience and customer service community, my company helps people write great email, chat, social media, text, chatbot content, and whatever else is coming down the road. That just reminds me, somewhere along the line, you had just recently shared with me, you know, ever since voice Denise, largely all the new channels are based on written communication. All the ones you just spouted off, for the most part, are written communications. And really, after all these years, that was an aha to me. So um, let's get into something new-ish. I think we would be remiss if we didn't open up with something hot, like chat GPT. And I say that because just in the past seven days. And I'm not really into that much of the tech space so much, but I received two um, communique. One of them was for a mini session to listen to some folks talk about it. And another one was an article. And I can talk about what they were later. But I think the important thing is that it's what people are talking about. I know I don't know a lot. So I thought we could just share with each other the little that we know and maybe piece together uh, some update. <laughs> I'll yeah. speak for myself. I don't know a lot. Um, well, so what, I mean, the, yeah. the news about ChatGPT and the, the you know, there have been uh, tools like ChatGPT for a long time. They just didn't work as well. And I, I would say they didn't have as good uh, a marketing engine. You know, a, a tool arrives sometimes well before people are prepared to use it. And then when they are prepared to use it, they feel like it, that tool never was there 
until the minute they were ready. I think that's what we're huh. experiencing. I think that if that possibly technology might have been able to support a tool like ChatGPT before we were using voice assistants, but the sense that something not human can understand what I'm saying well, right. it can understand it well. This is a sense that's just been building. So if, if my phone can listen to me and my Alexa in my kitchen can listen to me, then probably I'm a little more open to using a tool to create writing for me. These kind of go in hand, receiving language and producing language. Okay. My turn now. This is what I know. It is an open source software, which I think means anybody can jump in and use it. That's all I know. And I think some of the things that people are ready for are, we thought we're ready for our chat bots. And it feels like this, you know, chat GPT kind of takes the chat bot. Maybe it, maybe the potential is to take that and optimize it, take it a little bit up to the, to the next level. Um, your turn. What else do you know in like, yeah. What I think is fascinating for our community is that chat GPT can smoothly combine sentences freshly and smoothly create and combine sentences. It can make language. It can arrange words in a logical order in a syn Eng American English syntax, and it can put them in paragraphs. And, and it's, uh, and so it appears to us to be mysteriously wise, and it appears to us to be a better writer than a lot of the people we know. <laughs> and I would know. I would know this. There are a lot of people whose uh, writing, a lot of human people whose writing is more stilted and uh, more difficult for them to produce than ChatGPT's writing. Chat, some of what ChatGPT produces and the other uh, similar tools is quite fluent and fluid. And, you know, when we ask a human writer to tell this customer that you won't waive the service charge, but make it fun, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's very difficult for a human writer to do. Uh, they can do it. You know, I can do it. You can do it. But it isn't, it isn't that easy. With ChatGPT, you could say, tell this customer that we won't waive the service fee, but make it fun. And you could say, tell this customer that we won't waive the service fee, but make it rhyme. You can do this with ChatGPT in a well, lot of ways. And you won't make it tired and it doesn't need a lunch break and all of that. But, but what we can't lose sight of is that it isn't magic. It's drawing on a knowledge source. And if, if it's communicating to our customers, it's drawing on a knowledge source we have to provide. And we have always had garbage in, garbage out problems. If our email template library or our knowledge base or our online catalog is garbagey, there's no magic, there's no AI that can fix that. So there's still a human behind that curtain. No matter how, how in, we in a way, this. yeah, in a, mm -hmm. I think, in a way, mm -hmm. let's ladder it up a little bit. Um, 
to just artificial intelligence. Again, I'm really out of my comfort zone, but uh, let me just give it a try here. Um, AI, just artificial intelligence in general, of which chatbot and chat GPT, I think are part of, do we feel generally, or do you feel generally these will, it feels like you're saying that these will improve the, um, the agent's experience in putting together a communication. So my question to you is, do you feel as if these are going to ultimately improve the customer experience, or do you think this is just chronically going to, you know, everyone's going to be harassed by AI? Oh, no, I don't think everyone's going to be harassed by AI. I think okay. it will improve the customer experience if companies use it well. And that's the big if, you know, you know, if we take a chat bot as a, like a little rudimentary, fairly rigid example of AI, you know, a chat bot that draws on a collection of 12 badly written FAQs and shows them to the customer and keeps asking, did that solve your problem? Did that solve your problem? That's a terrible experience. It's not the chat bot's fault. It's the fact that the company that's feeding the chatbot the information has written poor quality information, and that company feels absolutely chill about wasting the customer's time. So if, we, if the other conditions are in place, I will, we will feed these uh, artificial intelligence tools excellent content if it's not, if they are not providing a better customer experience, we will improve them or stop using them temporarily. It's it's the company's responsibility in all ways. Agreed, ultimately. Agreed. Hey, um, let me just jump in here. For those who are listening and maybe watching on Spotify, on your phones or YouTube, we do have a secret, double secret guest who has popped in. Um, he's not so secret. He's a mutual friend of Leslie and I, and it's Neil Toff, who is the president of Calzilla. Um, Neil, we're going to put you on ice for just one second. Um, and, and we'll, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to talk a little bit about employees and then get into something that you all could chat about. Um, so thank you for coming. All right, Leslie, um, let's lean in on those all-important agents, frontline employees. Um, I know you have a lot of heart for them. I have a lot of heart for them as well. What are some of the things you're hearing about them um, in terms of their expectations and how that may you know, lend itself to the work that they do? Yeah. Well, I'm hearing f from them that the best of them the ones who, the best of them who work for the best companies expect a great uh, employee experience and that the least satisfied ones who work for the uh, worst companies are just being ground to a powder by the terrible employee experience. So I, I feel like wow. the difference between the best companies and the worst companies is getting wider and wider and wider. So um, there's, there's nothing more inspiring than being in a contact center where the employees have the trust of their managers, 
the software and other tools to do their jobs really well, where they know what their uh, next promotion is going to be, where their career will go. It's just wonderful. I know, I know this, one of my clients uh, works for a software company and Everyone, it's a smallish company and most people know their employee number. And of course, employee one and two were the first and second hired. And and now they're on employee, you know, 473. But I think employee five in the contact center is still working in the contact center and loves it. It's a great place to work. That person's job has changed year after year after year. So that's what I'm seeing is that the grind is getting grindier and the uh, excellent places to work are being are even more fulfilling. About in in terms of uh, looking at cohorts, uh, I love that word. Cohorts are just different trends among the people um, in the contact center. Like, what are they? You know, how do they feel about working in all this written communications? I know we had talked earlier, and you were seeing some trends about. Maybe it was Gen Z, not not really. You 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 say because I'll probably mess it up, but um, something to do with good old Gen Z. Well, actually, I I um I I was I know when we were talking about this, I was super careful. I don't usually start with Gen anything because I don't okay. want to be uh, pinned to the wall in my generation. But the I we do know I have heard this from my clients and I've experienced it myself that the the youngest people in the workforce, whatever gen they are, but the youngest people in the workforce are not email natives. They don't use email in their personal life and they come to the workplace. And if they're working in a contact center or outside of a contact center, they're often email averse, they're email reluctant. And when they're pressed to do email, they don't do it very well. It's just not a channel that they use in their personal lives and they don't use it that willingly they they may use it under duress so this you know 5 7 years ago this wasn't a a training need but it is now if you have someone coming in to the workforce who's brand new to the workforce there's a good chance that you'll really have to um sell them on email on the merit of it and 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 prepare them to write it well the conventions of writing texts are so different than the conventions of writing email and you may have to convince the person that even though they're using a, a keyboard <laughs> it's not the same channel and they need to write differently uh-huh that's a great aha uh-huh. and how about with with the voice channel um i mean i know everyone's got a cell phone what are you seeing in terms of some of these folks picking up the phone and, and calling. Yeah. Well, we know that the youngest people in the workforce don't want to talk on the phone. And and older people than the youngest people in the workforce don't want to talk on the phone in their personal lives or at work either. But, you know, we also know, and uh, I'll be interested in what Neil has to say, that voice continues to be the most popular channel in most contact centers. So I think... Um, a person, a young person with a phone, a very young person with a phone may not want to call their mom and they may not want to talk to their colleague on the phone. But if you keep uh, billing them double <laughs> on their Netflix, <laughs> they do want to talk to Netflix about the error <laughs> in their bill. So it's not it's not the preferred channel in their 
personal life, but they will use it when they need help. Mm -hmm. Another good aha. Hey, she threw that out over to you, Neil. I know we didn't plan for this question, but do you have any thoughts about, uh, you know, people in their personal life, some of the agents, what they're using and, and what that might mean to a contact center? I have thoughts. It was quite funny when I jumped in. Uh, all I heard was garbage in, garbage out, and boom, my, my face appeared. Um, I'm not sure what, who's telling us what about that, but um, it is a pleasure to join uh, you, Denise, and to podcast bomb Leslie O for just a minute. And I don't know if I'm apologizing or I'm thanking her, but uh, anytime I get to spend uh, brainstorm time with Leslie O, uh, I love it. Last time I did this on a podcast with her was with my podcast, and she handed my you-know-what to me about a lot of different topics, and um, there's nothing more humbling than um, being outmaneuvered in one's own podcast by Leslie L. It's a great activity. <laughs> when she comes she in like this. a, like she just, yeah, what is that phrase that, you know, comes in like a bee, but I don't know. It's a foxy <laughs> phrase, but she comes in quietly. like a butterfly, then... stings like yeah. a bee. No, she doesn't yeah. sting. She doesn't sting. She just that sort one. Of, yeah, she kind of casually just knocks up your side of head a little bit with a little bit of Shakespearean poetry. Stop. She knows. Well, just knows. enjoy. I enjoy that sparring a little bit, and it's, and it's all in good in good fun. So that's why I've got you both here. I appreciate both of you being open to this. Um, and so here's um, – did you have your comment, though, about – well, let's go oh, right so into I, the plan I, I question. Did, I, I had a couple of things, and mostly actually, I, mostly to agree with with um, with Leslie, which is um, um, if one were to generalize and put the younger workforce into a box and category, which is very easy for us to do, um, but there are some shared characteristics. And yes, when you ask them to generally sit and write an email, maybe they look at you like, huh? And when they start to write, it's oftentimes in lowercase with little to no punctuation and it's with emojis. And that's great among themselves, but when you want to have a business communication go out uh, by email, by chat, on social media, whatever the channel or channels are, probably that's not the correct way to express the brand voice from a what the person is reading or re uh, listening to when they read it or what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. um, so there's some challenges, and that's why you hire Leslie O to fix that if you can fix that problem, she's the one to do it. It, it is a challenge, without a doubt. Uh, if you ask them to do the SMS channel or to do social media, it's a bit yeah. easier, but you will, it kind of like the garbage in, garbage out thing, what you're going to get the output is going to be the demographic that you're putting into it and the traits and habits, good or bad, that they bring to the table. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's, like I said, why you're going to get lowercase stuff without punctuation and, you know, run on sentences that if you were to, uh, so, you know, diagram the actual sentence. It's probably 35 run-on sentences put together without commas. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, this is what I'm seeing though. That's a little different. Um, five or seven years ago, if you had a brand new person in the workforce, their emails might look just as Neil had described, a lot like texts and probably too casual. But seven years ago, you could say to this person. Um, I need you to tighten these up. I need you to make these more professional. You know how a professional email is supposed to look. Let I need you to please do that. What I'm saying is that if you're 23 or 22 in the workforce now, if your boss says, I need you to write a professional email, you're writing something that looks like a text, 
you don't have a frame of reference for what a professional email looks like. You just don't have experience with it. And so it's the employer's responsibility. The employer can't, it's, it's not a matter of scolding or challenging you to get better. We have to show you what a professional email is. And we have to uh, be sure you understand that, I don't know, 23% of the contacts to our contact center come in via email. It's really important to our business. Right, right. So there is an opportunity there. I, I think it's a reflection maybe of um, not only the demographics of people that just don't like or have not never been educated on what good writing really is, or formal writing, but also mm -hmm. maybe it's an indictment of our education system. I know we don't want to get political here, but it's a challenge for the workforce that, that is coming to the contact center. Um, they don't have the writing skills and you can yell and scream at them as much as you want and tell them, you know, I'm expecting something formal and they'll look at you. They don't know what, what you're talking about. They literally have no clue. Yeah, I understand that. I, I don't know what we'll get by indicting the education system. And though I can be as sharp and salty as the next person, when it comes to helping people build writing skills, mostly I say, welcome. We take all comers. Please prove to yeah. me that you're willing to do the work. I'm not going to sit here and do on-site uh, or virtual workplace training and have you be like, how interesting, I don't care. That's not happening. But I will help you. I will help you build those skills. And if, you know, coming back around to our talk about chat GPT, chat GPT might be the very thing we can use to help people whose writing skills lag, but perhaps their customer EQ is high or their product knowledge is high. Mm -hmm. Chat GPT could be a great tool as long as the information sources it's drawing from are good. All right, gloves down for a second. Um, let's get into um, the topic that I know you had shared with me, Leslie, your, your sort of thought about the future and kind of your wish for C for this space. I won't even give it a name right now. So it's kind of like, um, tell me a little bit about, about that. And, and then nomen, nomenclature? Yeah, the nomenclature to describe what, what it is that we do. Well, are you talking about customer service versus customer experience? Yes, I didn't want to lead yes. you too much, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I'm so I'm smiling at you. I'm smiling at Neil. I'm so pleased to talk about these, and I really want to listen to both of you too. I think customer experience is a pretty hollow term. I don't know what it doesn't mean. And the price of preferring the term and the concept of customer experience over customer service, and I think our, our industry is doing that, is to make customer service, I don't know, like a little dowdy and a little grubby. And, and I don't think that helps customer experience in the purest sense. So... In my experience, it's so rare to see a company that really is organized and staffed to think of customer experience as a whole. They, it's aspirational. They wish they could, but they're just not organized and staffed that way. So it ends up being marketing and customer service and operations, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, 
while I have so many practitioners whose thinking, customer experience practitioners whose thinking I admire, whose thinking challenges me, whose work I read and follow, uh, I don't, I, I don't know what the term really means in practice. Interesting. What would be, before I get to Neil on this, what what would be the impact? So obviously it, it frustrates you a little bit. I see that impact, right? And, and a lot of other people, I'm sure. But what do you think that impact might be uh, to, um, you know, maybe customer service as a career? It, it diminishes it. You know, I, 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 yes, I think that, you know, the highest leaders in an organization think customer experience is shinier and sexier than customer service mm. and that customer service is subsumed under customer experience is mm-hmm. and i think that it 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 diminishes it that's what i think okay. but okay neil what do you think i'm dying to know yeah i, I don't disagree i i um i love and I could guess and probably, you know, we, we compare notes and write a list of all the people that we know whose work we respect, admire, adore, people who we consider friends, close, close confidants, colleagues, et cetera. Um, I, I agree. There's some very smart people in our industry. Um, that doesn't mean that where they work or whom they advise us are providing good customer experience. Customer experience, I think, if you were to define it, just as culture, I think, is defined very loosely, it's what's going on when you're not looking. Hmm. Customer experience is what's going on when you're not looking. It's the whole 360-degree view of uh, pre-purchase, having purchased, post-purchase, interaction with the brand, um, word of mouth, um, voice of customer. It's so many things. Um, but it's hard to really just put it into a package. I, I've always said this. I, I've, I originally said it about the call center. There's no call center easy button. You can't mm-hmm. press down a button and have it all be taken care of. Same thing in customer experience. There's no con- customer experience easy button. You can't press the button and say, oh, wow, great customer experience all of a sudden is offered to all of our customers and, and prospective customers. It doesn't happen because it means so many things to so many different people, and it's such a large environment. Um, it doesn't make our work easier. The one thing that I would, would add that complicates it even further is that, in my view, mm-hmm. um, none of it matters if the business doesn't work, if the business metrics aren't there. I get sick and tired of, of hearing from people, oh, you need to be contacting your customers at every step of the way and be proactive and reach out to them. Well, yeah, of course. But there's not a business rationale for that. If you were to do that, if one were to do that, the costs of such, the supply chain of such, the ability to operate and perform that are almost impossible. Mm-hmm. And therefore, while the, those of us in the ivory tower say, this is what customer experience is, in reality, in the practice of it, it's a vastly different thing. And that's why I think we have such a, just a diverse, wide community, mm-hmm. often enough with confusion, and sometimes mm-hmm. it gets degraded in how we actually um, put it all into practice. Yeah. Do you say, do, do you ever say anymore, I'm a customer service professional or do you, either of you say, always say I work in customer experience? That's a great question. 
I, I, um, I would say I'm the call center guy. We're the ones that, that uh, take your call when you're upset and pissed off at, at you know, for example, Comcast, the, cable, the credit card company, the cable company, the people that don't know really what we do. Um, but I think if I were to really do it justice, I think that might be right. That being said, customer experience is far sexier, it's far more attractive, right. it's far more, I think, avant-garde than saying customer care. Right, customer right. That, right. That's down market. That's, that's, that's what I'm shelf. saying. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying, you know, and, and, and because, you know, who wants that, especially a consultancy type person, I don't want to be down market, I don't want to be bottom shelf. So all of a sudden, you're saying, yeah. you're saying, I'm a customer experience consultant. But are you, you know? <laughs> are that you? X. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me see if I can answer that. I actually, if I'm at a cocktail party, uh, which hasn't happened often, but uh, recently, but I really stumble over that. Like, what do you do? I'm like, you know, consumer care because I'm in the CPG space and we have it like sort of a defined consumer affairs, consumer care. And then I find myself going into explaining that further. Like, it's like what you may think of when you think of customer service, but it's more, you know, whatever. And then I go into sort of explain it. So I try to jam everything in. So I myself don't know what I'm doing. I mean, in terms of the right definition. It's even more difficult because you're in consumer affairs. That's even more highfalutin and more ethereal for most of us, um, even those of us in the field, by the way. Oh, that, okay. That's, I think, an even more challenging one to, to define. Um, even for us in, in, in customer experience, if you try to explain consumer affairs to those that are in customer experience or in customer care, it, sometimes mm -hmm. it's a, those are different universes that don't have the overlapping concentric circles necessarily. Well, I have, oh, excuse me. Were you going to say something, Leslie? Okay. I have to admit that I ha I'm guilty of this a little bit because I don't believe, you ready for this? Because I don't believe CX is an acronym that people know, like, not, excuse me, I said that wrong. CS is not an acronym people I don't think know, but CX is. So for my little podcast, I started a hashtag, as both of you know, you know, hashtag CPGCX. So in a way, I'm a little bit guilty of that. But but may I tell you why? <laughs> We're all, I'm guilty of it too. Okay. I caught myself. Go ahead, Denise. Right, yeah. Here's my, here's my rationale from my vantage point. And that is that there was a time, I don't know that I could have said that. And I've been doing this for a while, but I... Because it is, a, I feel like it's a lot about the journey. And I think maybe, Neil, you were saying that. Both of you kind of were alluding to that, where it's like now consumer affairs is right there. So if the journey starts with going to a product page on a company's website and then checking out the FAQs, checking out the ratings and reviews and where to buy it, all those features just on a website. I know my heart of hearts, consumer affairs has their hand in that and, and kind of, at least in my experience, working with the brand. So I've kind of, and then of course, excuse me, then of course, after the purchase and the evaluation of the product and their experience, we're there to answer any questions or concerns. So, you know, that's always been there. So that's how I rationalize um, using that phrase comments we don't have to rationalize it because 
the <laughs> phrase isn't tightly guarded, you know, yeah. because leaning in, because we don't know what it means or what okay, it doesn't mean. Yeah. You know, no one, I don't have a PhD and I don't think the that either of you have a PhD. If I put PhD in my name, I'd be lying, you know, and, <laughs> and the PhD police would come and arrest me. But, but you could, because customer experience is so loosely described and so loosely practiced, uh, I, I think it's legitimate to say, to, to be like, hello, I don't want my podcast to be ignored. I'm going to use a hashtag that includes these two familiar letters because in the sum total, I am talking about customer experience. Oh, I'm relieved. Thank you. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. First of all, thank you, Neil, for being our double secret, secret guest. And of course, Leslie, um, we are getting to the end. And Leslie, we didn't talk about this, but do you have any updates to your nonprofit organization shout outs? Oh, I still like a wider circle. I think that's who okay. I mentioned the last time we were mm -hmm. here. A wider circle is an organization here in the D.C. area that uh, helps impoverished people furnish their homes for free, among many yep. other things. I remember that one. It's a good one. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you both for coming out this Friday afternoon to chat with me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. This is the way Fridays in the week should wrap up. Mm -hmm. Good conversation, good camaraderie, good. Um, we, I don't think we debated or disagreed, but we shared ideas, and and uh, that's what it's all about. That if there's one amazing thing about the CX community, this yeah. this group of network that we have that we put the letter CX around, it's the friendships and relationships that are there, um, that have yeah. arisen out of this work and sharing that we do together. I agree. That's beautiful. I love it. Touche. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague Podcast with Denise Benito. Thank you.